Here she comes, Mrs. Shelby Universe. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't like that one? <laughs> I, I used Let's All Go to the Shelby's last week. So <laughs> I didn't wanna... Yeah, that one fell on deaf We should have workshopped that one a little longer. Yeah, we, Cricket I sound effect. <laughs> I should have got the, the folks who did the uh, the Beijing Opening Olympics. I thought you were going to say you should have got Defoe. I, damn, that's who we should have got for this host. <laughs> oh, man. Why, when are we going to get a celebrity host for the Shelvies? When's uh, going to be our time? Uh, I, yeah. I don't know, buddy. How much money do we got to spend on Cameo to get somebody to introduce the Shelvies? <laughs> oh, actually. Okay. 500 or less. Okay, for 500 or less, who do you think we could get to intro the Shelvies? Uh, uh, you could get a number of people. You could get, um, I think you can get Keith David, actually. Now, that would be sick. You think you think Keith David? Does I think cameo he's on an app that like does like birthday card greetings That's and that cameo. kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's just set our limit here. Yeah. Less than five. Let's go four eighty. All right. Here we go. I, I want to know. And let's see here. We've got. Uh, I don't know how many. We got. We got. Uh, um. Okay. Let's let's raise the bar a little. Robert Picardo okay, Kevin, from Star Trek. Kevin yeah. McDonald. Let's, That's something. What baseline? A hundred bucks. Okay. We could get Phil Lamar. Are That's you a, fucking kidding me? We get That's Ernie Hudson. Good. We'll go get Ernie Hudson. Get Ernie. Jim O'Hare. Okay. okay. Jim O'Hare would be pretty good, too. Jerry. Wow. Uh, Chris Diamantilopoulos. That's my vote right now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this Chris? podcast. This podcast. <laughs> this podcast fucks. <laughs> you know it does. Uh, we get Malcolm McDowell. <gasps> That's obvious. Really? That'd be great. Now, what's, what's Malcolm Feimster? McDowell? Malcolm Mc... Clockwork Orange? No, no. I mean, what's his going for, from? Oh, a hun- from 100. Uh, from 100. What? Peter Weller? Peter Weller? Oh, nice. my God. Kevin McNally? That's pretty good. Kane Kevin Hoder? Conroy? Kevin the Con- voice of Batman. Richard Karn? Kane Come Hodder. on! Andy Dick? Uh, you know, all right, it is... No, I don't want to work with Andy. Sorry. Nah. Uh, it is... Oh, Dana, Bruce, you can get Brett Spiner. That was, that's what I thought that was. Yeah, yeah. It, Arthur clicked the next page. Oh, so. sorry. <gasps> Amy Hill? Tom Arnold. Anybody? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> I am actually excited. Eric Estrada. Oh, <laughs> Jim Cummings. Not for two twenty-five, Winnie. The Goot. Winnie the we could get the Goot. Where? Gutenberg. Where am I? Right s- there. Ah. Gutenberg. Yeah. Who wow. made Steve Gutenberg? Oh, Michael Bean. Oh, he wow. was star. It's kind of bananas. Who is on cameo? Mm-hmm. It, it does make you a little bit Ooh, sad. Ryan Hurst. That's you. Well, you Virginia Madsen. Come on, I love her. Can I get her to say Candyman as well? Everyone is on Cameo, it turns it's out. It's wild. Wayne Knight? Is Bill Ingvill really so hard up for money that he's doing a buck uh, 150 on Cameo? Come on, Bill. I, here's your sign. Blue Collar Comedy <laughs> Tour didn't pan out for you? I think it's just a free money stream. And it's that like, makes sense. I mean, you know, it's low cost. The guy from the uh, Dos Equis commercials yeah, is getting more than, uh, than uh, Bill Ingvill. Wow. Joey Pants, boys. <gasps> nice. Well, I... Folks, is that Dean Kane? We shan't is be that, working with Dean Kane. Is that Dean Kane? I won't be working with Dean Kane unless it's to make him talk about vaccines. Emma Caulfield, nice. Anthony Michael Hall, wow. Kevin Pollock. So, okay. listener, if you want to help us fill out the presenters' docket for next year's Shelby's, you can go to <laughs> patreon.com forward slash gtm. And for the low, low cost of $200, we could get Sam Richardson Gary himself. Busey. The Buse? I bet we could get Jake Busey, too. We get Jake and Gary? Come on. Uh, is that Bruce Dern down there? Yes, it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dustin's hemorrhaging over here, I think. <laughs> so, 
We really are spoiled for choice. Scott Atkins. Nice. You like Atkins. I like Atkins. Yeah, I fuck with Atkins. Come on. Alice Cooper. Nice. (laughs) Guys, I can't get over. I I know that this is bad radio. Leslie Ann Warren. But this is really blowing my mind. It is. It is fun to see. And these are just actors. We're not even looking at all the other options, athletes and stuff. Damn. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart. There you go. Hey, look, you can't be doing Hallmark movies all the time. Phil Morris. That's pretty good. Dean Norris. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Jason Leah Thompson. Muse. Leah Thompson. Sorry, Jay Muse. Jay? He's going by Jay on Cameo. Wow. I'm sorry. That's what people know. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, Was that Doug Mort- Benson? Uh, Gaze McFad- Mort- yeah. All the Star Trek nice. Next Gen people are on here, apparently. That makes sense. Where? Oh, Felicia Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Marina Sirtis. Yeah, all the nerd icons show up yeah, on Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, These are all con people Marina, who are getting yeah. money from not going to cons. Yeah. Yep. That would make sense. Edward James Olmos. Terry O'Quinn. Wow. Wow. Um, Tyler Maine. Sabretooth himself. And you can let us know. Good trash genrecast at gmail.com. Who do you think <laughs> should host or present at the, the show? Beak. The, the beak. The we beak. could get the fucking beak. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Get your cheeks in a beak. Let's go. <laughs> Welcome oh. to the good trash cameo cast. God. All right. Let's get the Shelby Ratzenberger. Started. Man. Uh, hey, we're going to do the self-congratulatory thing that we do in which we look at our year in review. And this is a, a good episode if you are thinking about recommending the podcast and if you're thinking about just looking on a year uh, with reflection and thinking about what you've learned over the last year, two years that have been 10 years of all of our lives. And uh, so that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to give basic awards to various shows and or movies that we looked at over the year of our Lord 2021. Uh, that being said, um, let's. I guess, can we run through the categories real quick? Sure. sure. Let's do it that way, and then... We won't run through all the movies. <laughs> and the nominees are... <laughs> Everything. You have a podcast app. You can see them yourself. Now, to clarify, these are movies we talked about on this podcast in the year 2021. Correct. It's not a top 10 of 2021, Correct. Yeah. Th- th- thank you for that disclaimer, yes. We, that is an important clarification to make. Because um, we didn't... I, I did not go to the movies. I've seen a lot of... 2021 releases and I've, enough that I will be making a year end list probably in January. I went to the movies and saw Green Knight. Did I think you? it's the only yeah, thing I baby. went and saw. That's I saw a good a few one to things. get out to the theater for though. Yeah, uh, I've got out for Pig for Zola. I, I was pretty selective of what I went to the movies for. Dune, obviously. Yeah, I, I, I was I, not as selective. I watched Dune at home. <laughs> I yeah, you, I saw High and Low. I mean, I was ready to get back to the movies, but yeah. I was still a little choosy. So, um, what are the categories, Arthur? Uh, well, we have our favorite discovery. So, mm-hmm. this is going to be a movie we've never seen before. Uh, the show that we really enjoyed or fell in love with. Uh, Once More with Feeling. It's a movie we have seen before, but the rewatch unlocked a either a new or positive or emotion, uh, negative emotion from us. Either we rewatched it thinking we liked it, but we hated it, or we didn't know it would be good, but we really loved it. Uh, so, it's a reevaluation of that. The best show, this is an episode that we thought... Just had a great conversation, good fun, chemistry on it. Uh, the Hebrew Hammer uh, is a film that is just absolute garbage, named for the movie, which is absolute garbage. 
Uh, we've got the best worst movie. So this is a guilty pleasure. It may not be great, but we really enjoy it, have a lot of fun with it. Uh, the Hall of Violence, where we pick our favorite set piece or action violence-driven gory moment from a movie. Uh, favorite marathon, that's in the ni- uh, title. And then The Platinum Shelf. This is the movie above all movies. It is our best picture. It is the movie that deserves to be on your shelf, must be seen, must watch, critical to discussion and rhetoric, uh, The Platinum Shelf. There you go. Thank you very much for uh, rolling out the categories there for us, Arthur. Let's begin with category number one, which is our uh, favorite discovery. What is the best film that you saw for the first time this year, Dalton? Ooh, you're going with me first. Well, this was a tough one. Uh, <laughs> we opened this year. We, oh, the pressure. Uh, well, we opened this year with a marathon of uh, French cinema, which is a big blind spot for me. So there's four movies right at the top of the year that were all just absolute barn burners to recap for you that was the 400 blows rules of the game passion of joan of arc and portrait of a lady on fire now in french now in french uh the four things i just said in in francois uh s'il vous plaît uh i mean come on right there i got four movies i'd never seen before that were just an absolute joy to learn about but i gotta stay true to me i gotta do dalton so I'm picking William Peter Bladley's The Exorcist 3, <laughs> which is a movie that I've I've heard whispers of for That's years. That's an Eric King um, Patreon pick, correct? Uh, it was Brigham. 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 Eric King is a uh, Exorcist 3 fan, as far okay, as I know. Okay. I think I've, so I've I had pretty, associations with him in Exorcist 3, I think 3, I've I seen think. him go to Bat 4 online before. Yeah. Uh, I like that movie a lot. I think it's, it's obviously not The Exorcist. It's obviously not without its problems. But I just had such a fun time watching it, and we had a really good time talking about it, and it's just, I don't know, there's not a lot of movies like it that try to be both a crime thriller and a supernatural horror film. It's it's sort of a narrow genre. It's, it reminds me of Fallen, you know, which is a movie I love. So, uh, I don't know, it's it's just kind of a very unique little piece of genre filmmaking. Um, and again, for it to be a, a kind of out there sequel to one of the biggest movies of all time, uh, you know I love that kind of stuff. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for going back to... Uh, for creators being forced to go back to the creative well by the industry and then them going, well, all right, if you're going to make me do that, I'm going to do something weird, <laughs> uh, which is why I'll be uh, watching uh, The Matrix 4 in a few scant hours from now. Um, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. So it's got to be The Exorcist 3 for me. It's it's just, it's so weird. It's not the best movie we talked about this year by any stretch of the imagination, but if you have not seen this film, it is I just just not really much like it. I think it's totally worth making time for. Very good, very good. Um, Arthur, what's your favorite new discovery this year? Man, this is a, I think was an easier pick for me. There weren't a lot that I hadn't seen or the ones that were new to me I just didn't care for. But I, I think the one for me is really Midnight Run. Yeah. Um, I was really just kind of, you know, it, it's kind of been reassessed, I feel like, on film Twitter as of late in the last couple of years. So it's one I'd seen popping up quite a bit. Uh, but I, I really do like the way it treats... The relationship in this buddy comedy, because uh, we alluded to it last weekend when we talked about the movie, obviously. Um, but the idea of they're just kind of strangers in the night. Mm-hmm. They kind of have this moment where they've bonded. But at the end, they go their own separate ways, and they're not best friends for life. And I think there's something refreshing in that formula where they're not now just each other's BFFs. That you know They're at each other's weddings or whatever. Yeah, it's a movie that understands... like. Even though it's an, kind of an action comedy, it understands the complexity of human friendship. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's just got a really nice charm. Groden is great. Uh, De Niro is just so cool. Uh, and so I think it was easy to watch. Uh, and it's one I'm glad that we got around to. There were a couple of others I had vying, but I feel like 
uh, Edge of Seventeen uh, would mm-hmm. one I would have gotten to either way. Yeah. Like I, I and I think that's just naturally one I would have gone for. Good movie. Uh, but Midnight Run yeah. is the one for me. Very good, very good. Uh, my favorite new discovery this year, uh, which I was really remiss to not have seen it before, was uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, The Phantom Thread. Yeah, that was that, a contender. That for movie me. is incredible. Yeah, uh, absolutely, just incredible uh-huh. in terms of set design, in terms of uh, cinematography, in terms of acting. I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just there's there's nothing bad I can say about it, and uh, a great twist. I won't spoil it now, but great twist. Um, just absolutely love it. And I love it when Dustin's flat on his back, helpless. Personally, uh, yeah, uh, he does. He does. Yeah, he does. Um, kiss me quick before I can. <laughs> kiss me, darling, before I'm sick again. <laughs> That's me every time I get home. Every time I see my wife, <laughs> kiss me before I'm sick. <laughs> but uh, Daniel Day Lewis just gives a tour de force performance and uh, just a really complex, layered uh, bit of filmmaking. And just yeah, I couldn't I couldn't recommend that movie more highly. I, yeah. I really really like the Phantom Thread a lot. So it was a favorite discovery for me. Moving on to our next category, the opposite category, which is once more with feeling, uh, movie you've seen before. But uh, you reacted very differently. Arthur, what is it? Uh, for me, it's one I chose uh, into programming. Kind of a joke. I didn't think I'd like it. I'd seen it before when I was younger. Uh, and I had a certain kind of attitude towards it because it was one of those kind of CW-ish feeling movies. Uh, and this Varsity Blues. And I had a feeling. I really didn't know... It was going to land with me as well as it does. You really were. I remember doing that episode just like I could feel you kind of vibrating for it. I could feel yeah. you like really just how strongly you went for it. I, uh, we, I was definitely on its level. I, I do think it's very modern in a lot of what it's discussing. And I think mm. it's very relevant to 2021, both uh, in a labor discussion and a pressure of athletes discussion Mm -hmm. i I think it's as prescient today as it was then and for it to be just a teen comedy from mtv for it to have something to say i think not only speaks to um the uh the power of 99 in whole as a cinema and where we were existentially as a uh, people in that time Mm. uh but i think just to the the power of sometimes these trash movies that we scoff at they do have something to say and they say it well i think absolutely so, yeah varsity blues is the one for me it was a contender for me because i famously because of circumstances you can listen to the episode had to walk yeah. out of the early on the theater and it just it was so much better than it deserved to be yeah i mean it's a great movie yeah. and so I, I really like that pick too yeah um dalton what's your um once more with feeling oh <sighs> i didn't want to give it to a negative i really i prefer to give the once more with feeling award to something that like really clicked with me for the first time but I just really didn't like Ready Player One. And maybe it's because... Look, I'm not mad at Spider-Man Far From Home. Good for everybody that's making a bunch of money off of it. It sucks that that's the only movie that made a lot of money this year. It's kind of a bummer to me. And I think Ready Player One is sort of the apotheosis of that kind of thing. Of just, like, how many intellectual properties can we squeeze onto the screen and get bilk people out of their money and i i don't know maybe it's because it's spielberg and i I just expect more from him maybe it's because there are glimmers of a good movie in there i don't know what it is but i just i just heard david sims from blank check like go to bat for ready player one and it blew my mind i was like what is happening am i an idiot am i just stupid is that what it is correct probably I'm too stupid for Ready Player One, I guess. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm smarter than a movie that says it's your rewards a girlfriend, or 
I don't, I'm not going to be too mean right now. I'm sorry. That's how much feeling it evoked for me this time, though. Like, I maybe it's the discourse around it too. I've just consumed a lot more of thought about Ready Player One between the last time I watched it and, and our discussion about it. But that movie just rubbed me the wrong way this time. Uh, and you know, again, maybe it's because the books I've, I've soured on. Maybe it's. Uh, you know, the uh, Space Jam, a new legacy of it all, and just Warner Brothers, like, constantly smashing their face against a wall trying to figure out what people like about them. But it just, I don't know, man. That movie's kind of a dud. I, it's got its cool moments, but it really does feel like a, a McMatrix is what you called mm-hmm. it on the episode, Dustin. And I, I, I think that that's a pretty accurate summation of what's going on in that film. Uh, and that bums me out. It, it, it's It's a kind of movie... That makes me feel like I've wasted my time caring about movies. It, it really did. And that's, I don't ever like that's feeling. That's not awesome. I don't like feeling that way at all. And I especially don't want Steven Spielberg, of all people, to make me feel that way. That's somebody whose movies I like to watch and go, ah, the movies. Ah, we love them. I don't want to watch it and go, oh, this is just a big commercial for Warner Brothers. I don't, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. I like Warner Brothers pictures already. You've sold me. You helped fight the Holocaust, Warner Brothers. You don't need to convince me to buy a lunchbox. I'm I'm in. I shut up and take my money. Make Dune two, you fucking idiots. <laughs> <sighs> that's Ready Player One. Arthur, what about you? What? Oh, you already went. Right, it's that's right. You went first. Dustin, once more with feeling. What really spoke to you this year? For I, good I would, or for ill? I, I can't say it's once more with feeling with Ready Player One for me because I didn't have any emotional reaction to it at all. I'm like, yeah, this is not very good. And just kind of went on. Uh, but for me... Maybe it's because I liked it the first time. I maybe. Kind of, I kind of went for it the first time. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's what it was. Uh, for me, it was coming back to City Slickers. Uh, that was really... Uh, and again, this is a negative as well. Um, because that was a super quotable movie. And it, it's got some good one-liners still. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Crystal's performance and Daniel Stern and Bruno Kirby are all doing the job there with that movie. But as we had our discussion about the film and sort of talked about some of the problems with boomers and uh, meaning and uh, gender politics and all of that sort of stuff that is wrapped around it, I just began to realize it's kind of a blurg of a movie. Sort of a toxic film. Yeah, really, yeah. Uh, Troubling, troubling film. And uh, it... Yeah, I came back to it and like I don't care to really ever watch it again. Now I need to see The Legend of Curly's Gold again yet um, because I do remember loving that one as well. Maybe a little bit more. I don't know. I mean, I, the birthing of a calf scene is also is always going to be very funny. That's good. Losing your watch is just hilarious. It was a gift. Um, but that being said, uh, one of my most quotable quote movies of high school was stolen from me by this show. So <laughs> I'm so sorry. So my one's moral feeling is I don't care for City Slickers any longer. Moving on down, we have one more category. Or we have several more categories. The next category is, if I recall, the best show. Uh, what Not is, Tom Sharpling's The Best Show. The, the, <laughs> no, the best show we did. The best. How good did we do on something? So um, what do you think we did the best at, Dalton? This is a tough one. This is a tough one because mm-hmm. they're all trash. They're all trash. I mean, we're idiots. I don't. And I've, we've never made a good episode of a podcast. I don't know what we're talking about half the time. No, it's a tough one because I there's actually a couple episodes that I really liked. I'm going to go ahead and say Kong versus Godzilla. We had a lot of fun on that <laughs> one. We had a lot of fun with the fact that there's a podcast character in that movie. We laughed a lot. We we enjoy. And again, it's you know it's not often we get to talk about a new movie. Uh, we're, we're very rarely talk about new releases on this show, so it was it was fun to talk about one of the bigger, dumber movies that came out this year. Uh, and again, another Warner Brothers picture. Look, shut up and take my money. You got I've, I'm on the HBO Max teed already. You don't need to sell me 
Ready Player One. Just I'll I'll watch Godzilla and Kong beat the shit out of each other though. I, mm-hmm. Two IPs max, please. For the love of God, uh, <laughs> calm down, everybody. But that was fun. We had a good time on that show. And honestly, I'm throwing it to that because I want to talk about another show we did later. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, for that, uh, by the way, dear listener, if you are li- if you don't remember from the top of the show, we are also suggesting these are good recommends for uh, gateway drugs for new mm-hmm. listeners. Yeah, and again, I think that one's a good one just because it's, it's us at like high banter. You know, we didn't have yeah. a ton to talk about that episode, so we were just kind of, yeah. kind of having fun goofing off with each other. For sure. All right, Arthur, what is your pick for the best show of last I year? I think the one I keep going back to is, uh, it's, it is Ready Player One. Oh, okay. Uh, we had a lot of, I think, fun banter. We had a good discussion, but that was one I think even after we recorded, we all felt, we kind of, we don't always compliment ourselves after the fact, like, I say compliment, but like, hey, that was a fun episode. Like, that always happened. Uh, and so I think that's one where we actually kind of felt that way after the fact. Um, just a fun energy, fun discussion, a lot of silliness, I think, but also a lot of deep discussion about that movie. Uh, even though it was a movie we didn't care for, we were still able to get a lot out of it. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's an important point as well. Um, so that's where I'm going to go, I think, is Ready Player One. Very good, very good. I'm going to select Midsommar. Um, not because the movie is a lot of fun, because it ain't. That was a close contender for me. I thought we were on, on point. Yeah, on I, I, I think really we brought our A game to syllabi and analysis. Uh, I crammed for that one, man. Yeah. I really, there's, just, it's a movie that people have talked about a lot. So I feel like there's always a pressure. If we're talking about something, there's a lot of discourse around. I, I don't know about you guys, but I always feel like we're, I'm coming to the show like, with a gun to my head. <laughs> right. Uh, was it particularly funny? Not especially, although there is a bear. Um, we did have some good jokes it's here. It's a bear. It's a bear. <laughs> um, but uh, that being said, uh, we really did our duty, I think, w- quite well uh, as uh, doing the analysis thing there. And so if, if you want to sig- figure out kind of what our goal is, <laughs> every given episode we may or may not arrive at that goal, uh, Midsommar is one place where I think we finally were able to land the plane. So uh, there you go, dear listener. Um, the next Next category, uh, remind me, Arthur. Is the Hebrew Hammer. The Hebrew Hammer. We dropped the hammer on a bad, 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 bad movie. What is the worst movie we watched this year? Dalton. Well, when, when thinking about the rubric, you have to remember that that's a movie where Andy Dick plays evil Santa Claus. Right. So you have to use that as your yardstick. So I, of course, have no choice but to drop the hammer on Cruel Intentions. <laughs> a deeply disgusting film. Yes. A horrifying <laughs> film that sexualizes teenagers. Uh, what a weird batshit movie uh, that's responsible for far too much pornography. Uh, I, I don't know, man. When we, watching that movie was an absolute disaster for me. I just the whole time was like <gasps> gasping. Uh, I really I was clutching my pearls like a little old lady watching that movie, which is I don't know. I'm not particularly squeamish about anything, I don't think. And that movie really... <laughs> Put me through my paces. Uh, we had a fun time talking about it. You know, I feel like we got something out of it, and weirdly, it, it fit in an almost accidental school movie marathon we did in February. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. It's gross. It's icky. It made me feel bad. Uh, and I just, uh, I feel like there's very there's little to no redeeming value to be found in that film, other than a couple of pretty okay performances from some would-be stars. Uh, but even. I mean, even the best performances of Reese Witherspoon and Selma Blair, like, cannot elevate that movie. Even Sarah Michelle Gellar, like, putting all the mustard on the sandwich cannot redeem that very, very gross movie. Yep, you're right. Uh, Moving on, what do you say, uh, Arthur? What is the worst movie of the year, The Hebrew Hammer? So this was, uh, I I couldn't think of one that was just adamantly, I was opposed to, 
but there is one, and this was my other pick for uh, once more with feeling in the mm. negative side. Uh, and this is a movie I remember really enjoying and getting a kick out of in high school when I first saw it, and thinking, "Oh, this is really cool." And it's the life of Brian, uh, which wow. I just don't think anything about it works at all. Yeah, we're pretty and mad it about feels the like it. Kind of sullies the name Python. Uh, it really, you know, compared to Holy Grail, meaning of life, it feels like. Much a major misstep yeah. for them. And I don't think much about it works except for that closing finale song, which I think and it's just because it's such a good song. It's so yes. catchy. That's the song and I, well played. Yeah. I sing that song to myself all the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think that's why it's it's the one memorable thing from that movie. Yeah. That, it, that's <laughs> and held up in Spamalot, I think. Uh, and, and so for me, it's a movie that none of us, you know, we even had the praise down on that was like an Easter show that we had a big thing for. Uh, and I don't think any of us went for it. No, a good episode though. Yeah, Speaking, we had Heath and Alex episode. from the yeah. praise down on, but yeah, all four, all five of us were like, "This is a failure of satire." Yeah, and so you know, I, I can remember why in high school I probably would have appreciated it because it was kind of ooh Christianity a transgressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but in hindsight, it's it's just bad, and so that's where I'm going to have to drop the Hebrew hammer. Very good, very good. I was uh, debating between two films for this. Um, first of all, because I could barely remember it, and I just remembered I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. That's not a good sign. That would be search. Is what I was thinking of. First I thought of all, you liked searching. I, you know, I guess it just has not grown on me, or I've just it just didn't stick with you. Yeah, it didn't stick with me in a way. But really, I just dislike the Anvil Horror. It's nonsense. God, what a bad movie! Uh, it's just absolute nonsense. Yeah. So this is the Ryan Reynolds remake, by the way, yeah. friends. For our uh, Shocktober twenty, the original is not better. Not twenty. Uh, Shock Shocktober. What is it? Eleven? <laughs> huh? The original is not great. Is it Shocktober eleven this year? Ten. It was a 10 this year. I don't okay. Remember. Yeah. Anyway, our our two our aughts remakes marathon. Yes. Yeah. And uh just yeah, the Evanville Horror is just it narratively does not make any sense. There are some scary bits here and there. Um Ryan Reynolds is thoroughly unlikable, which is um tough to do. And um yeah, I just don't care for it at all. I will never ever ever never watch it again. So, the Hebrew hammer is dropped there. What is the next category, Arthur? It's going to be our best worst movie. So that guilty pleasure that we Acknowledge the flaws, but we enjoy. Yes. So, what is that selection for you, Arthur? Uh, I'm going back to Shocktober 2, and it is Friday the 13th remake. Okay. I really enjoy it. I, I, I get a kick out of what they're doing with it. I see a lot of the messiness in that narrative because there's like this uh, prologue and then a second prologue, and then we get into the meat of the film. Uh, but I think it does some fun, subjective, uh, uh, some fun, subversive stuff for the genre. I think it plays with that mythology quite well. Uh, it feels kind of a the greatest hits of the fan favorites uh, and the best films in the series. And so we kind of get a lot of very familiar beats. Get some of them get turned and flipped. Uh, but I really like what a lot it's doing, especially with Jason as a character and this kind of world that they're building out. And so I, I think. Of those horror remakes in that time period, this is one that actually is successful for me. And so I acknowledge that it has a lot of issues, but for me it really works. And so that's what I'm going to go with. What is the best worst movie for you, Dalton? I want to get online. I need a computer. It's Johnny Mnemonic, baby. Ah, I love this movie. It's so goofy. It's so... Look, it's the movie of 2021 because it's about 2021 and it's weird how prescient the film was. And it's, yeah, it's not without its problems, but it is like the clearest analog, not analog, the clearest precursor to the Matrix that I think you'll find in, in 20th century motion pictures. Like it, it, it is 
a movie that exists to lay the groundwork for a movie that will do the same things it's trying to do far better in just a few scant years with the same lead actor, no less. Uh, I just think it's an oddity of motion pictures. It, you know, it was supposed to be this kind of indie art house action movie and got, you know, blown up into a big, big budget studio joint. And it's, it's, there's a psychic dolphin hacker in that movie. Ice-T leads a Luddite, you know, analog tech resistance. It kicks ass. The movie is weird. <laughs> there's a guy with a laser garrot. What more do you want out of a movie, I say? <laughs> uh, it's got Dizzy from uh, uh, Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. Come on. Uh, uh, Dina Meyer. There we go. Who just it is not in a lot of movies. So always, always happy when she shows up in something. Yeah, I like Johnny Mnemonic a lot. I know it's kind of goofy, and it definitely uh, uh, shows its age in a lot of places. But I think there is a lot to love about that picture. Very good, very good. Uh, my selection for the best worst movie for the year is really it's it's a good movie, but it's not great. Is and it's got problems, like we said. But I just I found it delightful, and I'd forgotten kind of how much I loved it. And uh, the nineties were a weird time, and the nineties had lots of problems. But it's sneakers. Okay, okay. I, I there's another nineties movie I thought you might pick. Sneakers is not great. It's fun, but it's so much yeah. stinking fun. I just love everything and like Kingsley. way more subtext than you would think. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's, so there's there's things going on with the movie, but it's 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 just not it's just absolutely disposable popcorn cinema, but it's so much fun. I mean, and I'm just, I'm just delighted by good acting ensemble films, mm-hmm. and uh, this has definitely yeah. got all of that working for it. So totally. I recommend Sneakers really really highly, although issues, but fine, you know, it's fine. I had a friend uh, tell me that not because of the show, but. Uh, Within a month of watching Sneakers for the show, I had a friend go like, oh, yeah, I watched this movie the other day. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Sneakers. And I was like, boy, have I heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it is. It's just yeah. it's a lot of fun. It's a good discovery if you haven't checked it out. Uh, now we go into um, the Hall of Violence. Yeah, now this is a, an award you came up with a couple of years yeah. ago. This is one of our newer entries. Yeah, uh, after the, we watched uh, Demolition Man. Demolition Man, the Hall of Violence. Uh, so this is a movie and or sequence. That is just, uh, does the efficient distribution of violence very well? Uh, it can be a fight scene. It could be just some simple special effects and gore, whatever it is you want to talk about. But where did you find the violence particularly delicious? I ask you first, Dalton. Well, I do want to give an honorable mention to Safe House. No one is safe. No, <laughs> no one, one is house. house. <laughs> uh, because Denzel Washington let himself be waterboarded for that movie. And that is bananas. And obviously... We should think, uh, when we think about violence in film, we should probably reckon with torture a little bit more, because I think especially when the quote-unquote good guys are doing it, we're a little bit uh, more lenient on torture, both psychological and physical. Uh, But again, I I just think that that's a a wild choice for an actor to make. I think it's a wild choice for a director to allow. And there is some pretty good, like, practical stunt work and and action Mm -hmm. filmmaking going on in that, you know, otherwise fairly forgettable movie. Uh, But for me, it's got to be Midsommar. Um, talk about a movie with amazing gore effects. And yeah, a film, it was on my short list. Yeah. I mean, just a, a film that finds the beauty in the grotesque, mm-hmm. right? And a, a movie that uses violence to advance the story, to make you feel things, to make mm-hmm. you think. It really effectively uses all... I mean, there's only three or four bits of violence in the movie, but they're all extremely effective. They're all extremely visceral, and they're all extremely gross. <laughs> Uh, but they they make you feel something. They make you think about violence in film, and they make you think about the violence that we do to ourselves and the violence that we do to each other. Uh, I think it's a really profound use of gore in cinema. Uh, Midsummer, it's got to be that. And again, was a contender for me for best show. I, yeah, I really thought we were on the money with that one. That's good. Yeah, very good, very good. Okay, Arthur. 
Hall of Violence, what do you say? Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, like I said, Midsummer was probably my runner up, but I want to go with the nice guys and that film reel sequence in particular at yeah, the end. That's a great yeah. sequence. Uh, really, because this is a 2016 movie, and I feel like movies, especially in the last decade, and maybe even since going back to Michael Bay himself, but it feels like action films in the last five to 10 years are just so hard to follow the action. It's loud, it's noisy composition's a mess. I don't know location. It's hard to keep track of the geography of what's going on. And everything is so visually animated that it's hard to just either get into the reality of it or follow. But I think what Shane Black does here within that sequence, and we commented on it in that show, is he lays out the geography so well. We're able to follow the action as it's moving across. We mentioned that 180-degree rule, Mm -hmm. how it's broken, and then it changes to a new 180-degree motion. A lot of good technique. Um, Yeah, it's it's kind of filmmaking 101, but it's so refreshing in 2016 to see something like that that is big and, and a great set piece, but it's just easy to follow, and it's clean and concise and makes sense. Uh, and, and pushes the action forward, uh, and it just works really well. And, and so I really appreciate it for all of those reasons, and so that's why I landed with the nice guys. Very cool, very cool. Um, I landed with Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Good pick. I mean, that, mm, yeah. I mean, I think it's good. a good yeah. action, yeah. good special effects, and a meditation on the idea of violence itself. Uh, in many ways. And so uh, I think not only does it do violence very, very well on screen, it is thoughtful about the use of violence and its dehumanizing nature. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Zach's not... Remains one of his most thoughtful films. Man, 20 absolutely. years later. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, it still just you know hits me in the feels every time. So And so it's a movie I really, really enjoy anyway, and I think it goes in my hall of violence. Uh, moving on down, our next category... It's favorite marathon, baby. Is our favorite marathon. I'm trying I to... I need to tilt the screen I'm, just I'm a hair. I'm peering around the screen, and I'm having trouble seeing. Our favorite marathon. Well, of the marathons we've done, and there are several, I guess we could read the nominees for this one just to refresh yeah, the Yeah, it's a short list. Because of that. Um, so our marathons are not on this. I've got you covered, Dustin. I, okay, go ahead. Our marathon nominees are, of course, uh, every year we do our anti-trash marathon at the start of the year where we talk about the movies you would discuss in a film studies course. This year we did, a, as I already mentioned, our introduction to french cinema uh we then of course did a uh, a short-lived and not finished a, a marathon about cults in motion pictures some cult movies then there was of course uh, our annual shocktober marathon where we looked at uh, aughts horror remakes uh then there was of course arthur's secret marathon the poison mushroom trilogy that we did not know what the marathon was until the final episode uh, and last but certainly not least is our December Buddy Movies Marathon. So those are the nominees for Best Marathon. Thank you very much, Dalton. Arthur, what is your first selection for Best Marathon? I'm going to go with uh, the Poison Mushroom Trilogy. Yeah. Uh, it's something I wanted to do for a long time. I- I'm just, as I've mentioned several times in that series, I'm just so fascinated with those three movies coming out so close together and being so thematically related and kind of building off of each other in this kind of vernacular of the time and and so it's one i love it's got two movies that i think are are just straight masterpieces uh in it in in the phantom thread and in lady Macbeth, uh and one that's just pretty solid in uh the beguiled remake and so that's where i land uh is with that trilogy of films nice pick nice pick what do you say dalton same same answer same reasons yeah uh i just it was so fun it was fun to not know what the marathon was which is you know just not that's a 
a quirk of the programming. We usually know what we're doing going in, but uh, Arthur playing his cards close to the chest on that one, I thought was very fun. Uh, and again, yeah, two of those movies are just stone cold masterpieces, like straight up. And Beguiled's, you know, no slouch itself. Uh, but it, again, it's weird. They're three period pieces, all from 2017, all feature poison mushrooms as a major subplot. I just, it's it's a weird little movie marathon, and it's fun to find uh, connections between films where other where the the connections might not be immediately obvious. I thought it was a ton of fun. Dustin, uh, what about you? Well, um, I I like the three movies of the Most from Trilogy the best of all the marathons. As gotcha. far as like a strong programming, like picking movies I want to watch, that's absolutely the winner. But this is kind of my sneaky best uh, show. Uh, pick is what I'm going to do because I think our content in Shocktober this year was especially good. Uh, discussing the uh, the 2000 aughts and that post 9/11 moment, talking about the idea of remakes itself and the industrial conversations that went along with that. And Dracula 2000 and 13 Ghosts are both uh, we're on the list for uh, best worst movie for me. I yeah, like both. They're of those very a lot. fun and they're yeah bananas. Um, both of them. So, uh, but that being said, even though my Hebrew hammer is being dropped on Amityville Horror, our conversation throughout that series I thought was particularly insightful. And so uh, I, I just I rec- I like the shows a lot mm-hmm. uh, for that. So the marathon was good fodder for conversation. And so my selection is Shocktober ten. I can't remember the numbers. We've been here forever. Shock Timber. Shock Timber. That's right. That's right. We've always been here. We've always been in Shocktober. <laughs> For about two and a half years. Mr. Now, Torrance, you've like. always been here. You've always been the caretaker. Uh, so, with that, we go to the last selection, which is our Platinum Shelf. This is the best film that we looked at all year long. Arthur. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just, before we close it up with the big award of the night, does anybody have any uh, honorable mentions, any any shows or movies that uh, really, you know, we haven't got to talk about yet that you were like, oh, that's a good one. For me, it's Ghost. That's why I asked. I want to talk about Ghost. I thought a lot about Ghost in these categories, too. and I wasn't sure if I wanted to put it in, because yeah. I couldn't remember exactly how I landed on that movie, but I remember feeling more positive about it than I expected to yeah. watching it. I just remember it being a really good conversation. I remember it being a lot of fun to kind of look at 1990 as a year in cinema and just what a weird, I mean, just 30 short years, like how much the industry has changed. It was yeah. really interesting. Uh, again, fun fun episode, uh, contender for, for best show for me. Yeah. Uh, but again, I, I can't really remember how I came down on either other than that. Yeah. It resonated with me more than it had the last time. Um, Shadows one, I was going to, uh, that was a runner up for my, Best worst. Yeah, I, I really like the shadow quite a for, bit. Yeah, for me that too. Uh, and then I think the Do Cinema, the French anti trash, was a fun programming slate. Yeah, yeah, with some good, good stuff in there. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, then Dalton, go ahead and give us your selection for the platinum shelf of twenty twenty one. Well, I shall be cheating this year, but my cheat is, uh, you know, I, I've picked two films that are. Closely related in some regards, or at least I'm insisting that they're oh, closely related. Two. <laughs> I'm picking two movies. Uh, one one is out. legitimately really great, uh, probably also a masterpiece, and really does belong on the platinum shelf. And the other one is, I think, a masterpiece in a different kind of way. They're both movies about women. They're both movies about love. It's The Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> okay. uh, the two movies we watched where uh, women get down with each other. Uh, is that relevant? Not really. <laughs> They're very different movies. But uh, I, I just love them both so much for very different reasons. Uh, Portrait was one that I've been meaning to get around to for years now. I mean, ever since it was released, I've been meaning to watch that movie. So having an excuse to watch for the show is just a dream. Uh, and I think we had a, as good a conversation as uh, three dudes could have had about that movie. Uh, and Barb and Star, kind of a similar thing. I think uh, it was weird. 
I like it when we are forced to talk about movies that we really have no business talking about. Uh, it's it's too hard to program uh, a guest every week. We've you know we've talked about it in the past, but it's not feasible. So when we are forced to really get outside of our comfort zone and, and try to do our best to talk about issues that don't directly affect us, I, I, I think we. We try our best. We try, as Arthur talked about allyship last week when talking about the heat. And I, I think that that's the moment where we, I'm not trying to pat us on the back too much because we fuck up all the time. But, you know, when we are forced to talk about, you know, women's issues uh, or especially queer women's issues, I think we are, we're doing our best to, to try and be truthful to the material. Uh, we're doing our best to try and, and pay our respect to uh, the people involved in the productions. Um yeah, I, I think those are both just great films, though. Uh, good episodes uh, to talk about, but I just absolutely excellent pieces of filmmaking in both regards. Are they very different? Yes, but but they are both about friendship, about love, and about women. And I, not enough movies are about women, and certainly not enough movies uh, are uh, made by women. And I think both make strong cases for uh, women as auteurs. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. What do you say, Arthur? What was the best movie of the year? What is the Platinum Shelf nominee for you? Um... The Phantom Thread is where I'm going to land. Yeah, I I think I I wax quite a bit about how much I love that movie. Uh, When we talk about it, it's one I've seen multiple times. Uh, I I just think it's incredible filmmaking. I think it's it's drastically funny. I think it is fascinating uh, character work, uh, great performances, just incredible direction. Uh, It pays great homage to the classics. It's a period piece, but it feels so modern and timeless in, in its way. Uh, and so I, I think it's a must-see film, and, and I, I love it dearly. So it's The Phantom Thread. Very good, very good. My Platinum Shelf selection, probably not surprising to anyone, is The Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That movie, as Dalton has already said, is absolutely incredible. Um, oh, just so the, the settings, the, the lighting. Textures, the textures. The oh. textures, yeah. Just two barn-burning performances from our two lead actors. Uh, it's just an incredible, incredible yeah, film. Leaving it all on the court. Yeah. Just fucking up the hardwood. I mean, I yeah. love using sports metaphors to talk about performances. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they're both so good. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it's just a gorgeous film. It's just absolutely gorgeous to look at. It's a feast for the eyes, um, and I just love it. And it's a great movie. It was, I think it was my best film of the uh, 2019, in fact. Um, I believe that's right. So uh, it remains uh, a movie that I just absolutely love. So. Pretty dresses. Yes. Oh, the dresses are so pretty. Oh, the paintings. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And, and again, layers upon layers upon layers so upon layers. going on. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's an obvious selection for me, I think. So, yeah, that's right up my alley. It's always I can't remember which of the stars it is, but every time I remember that Celine Sciamma and one of the, the lead actors but used to be in a relationship together, I go, oh, there's so much going on in this movie. <laughs> right? Oh, it's about so much personal and, and big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That's 2021 in review, dear friends. Um, if you have any thoughts or comments, you can have a conversation with us via the magical means of social media. Dalton, tell them how. Oh, dang it. I was really hoping you were going to do it. It's the last episode of the year. All right. Uh, well, if you want to let us know which episodes of the show you liked, what movies you thought were great, you can go to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Send us that long-form feedback. Anything you got on your mind. Burning co- cues. We've got burning A's for those cues. Uh, just comments, feedback on the show, whatever. Hit us up. I know I said that a little clunky. My bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Good Trash Media. Uh, and please, you know, rate, review, subscribe, do all that nonsense that you are familiar with from podcasts. Thank oh, uh, and go listen to Arthur talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. 
uh, on the Cinematropolis uh, as a guest host and to listen to me talk about The Matrix also on the Cinematropolis. Uh, it's always fun to get get an excuse to go talk with Caleb about movies. Uh, and, you know, like like to spread the love. Again, check out independent podcasts. It's a thing you should do. Absolutely. So, I think we have another year ahead of us. <laughs> well... <laughs> I wouldn't count your hey, chickens before they hatch. Yeah, say, yeah, if, we, speaking, if we make it. Speaking of Spider-Man, the, the super spreader event, let's let's wait and see what Omicron has to say about 2022, the sequel to 2020. <laughs> the, 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 the two, three years that are the 25 years of our lives. Um, what will we do next if we do anything? Well, uh, we're going to call it a year. Happy New Year to you all. Uh, next month, we'll be back with our annual anti-trash marathon uh, which might have a little science flair to it so uh, that's where we're going to leave it for now oh you're going to leave it mysterious so science and anti-trash there you go you well, keep... i think the answer has been given to the audience if they're thinking hard enough yes <laughs> uh you keep watching we'll keep talking and we'll see you all next time <laughs> <laughs>